All right, thank you. Thank you for thank you for attending Daybreak Community Church. We are excited and there is joy in the house. How many ladies were at the ladies high tea specialty yesterday? Throw up your hand. I heard it was a spectacular time. It was a great time. The challenge, all right. The challenge is now for the, the guys. Okay, guys. We don't want to be in second place. So, guys, we'll have our own high tea. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. All right. All right. The, uh, that we're in this series on doubt and the biggest complaint about church for many people around the world, unfortunately, is that the church is full, the church is full of a bunch of narrow-minded, judgmental hypocrites. So we've been in this series dealing with doubt. Sadly, there are many people who doubt God simply because there's Christians who claim to live one way, but then we get to know them. There are people who say, this is what we're about, this is the way that we're going to live, and then they do something entirely different. And we get confused. We maybe have seen it somewhere in our own life. For example, maybe you have a classmate that posts Bible verses nonstop on Instagram during the week, And then parties on the weekend. And you say, that's a little bit confusing. Or you maybe have worked for a boss that talked about Jesus in business and then treated the employees with disrespect. And that can be confusing. It might have been a dad that corrected his daughter for dressing not in a modest way. And later found out that that dad was struggling with pornography. Or sadly, it might have been a pastor that you admired, you looked up to, and you found out that pastor wasn't living the life that a pastor was claiming to live. It's a little bit like a a story I read this week about a gym. Why do you go to the gym? Well, you go to the gym to get in shape, right? Well, this gym that I read about has free pizza Friday. That does, <laughs> that, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. It's a little bit confusing when people claim one thing and then they end up doing something else. Sometimes a world would love to believe in God, it, but it looks at people of God and says, you claim one thing and you do something different. And it's just confusing. Tragically, when some people think of the church today, they think of scandals. They think of abuse. They think of corruption. They think of hypocrisy, judgment, and hate. People look on and scratch their head confused and say, if Jesus came full of grace and truth, why do so many Christians seem to be full of hate and lies? 
On the screen behind me, there's going to be a quote by one of my favorite authors, Brendan Manning, who said this, The greatest single cause of atheism in the world is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, then walk out the door and deny Him by their lifestyle. So if you've ever been confused, if you've ever been hurt, disappointed, disillusioned by Christians that don't live like Jesus, guess what? You're not alone. Jesus didn't like it when people claimed one thing and lived another. In fact, when you look at the Gospels, Jesus never spoke more harshly about anything or anyone than he did with those that he called hypocrites. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Matthew 23. If not, it's okay. It'll be on the screen behind me. This little passage, Matthew 23, theologians actually call it the seven woes. Seven different times Jesus said woe to those who were claiming one thing and living another thing. Look at verse 27. Woe to the teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the inside, on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. He said, what sorrow awaits for you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, you're hypocrites. You're like great on the outside, but inside you're, you're a mess. You're, you're putting on a great show, but on the inside you're filthy. You're so far from God. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Seventeen different times in the Bible, you'll see the word hypocrite show up. Originally, this word was used in Greek actor society. We've talked about this before. Now the interesting piece with hypocrite is Jesus was the only one who used the word hypocrite. Jesus was correcting those who claimed one thing and lived another. You know, the the Greek actor society, actors would be called hypocrites. Hypocrites. Because they would put on a mask and They'd act like one character. They'd put on a different mask and act like a different character. But this was the first time that anyone to our knowledge used the word hypocrite outside the context of a theater. Jesus was saying, when you're giving to be seen, you're a hypocrite. When you're fasting to impress, you're a hypocrite. When you're praying to be heard, you're a hypocrite. When you're acting like you're generous, you're a hypocrite. When you play an actor, you're a hypocrite. Friends, Jesus had zero tolerance for hypocrites. What's interesting, and make sure you hear this, what's interesting is that you need to notice that he wasn't calling out their sin. What Jesus was calling out was their show. Let me say that again. What you have to notice is Jesus wasn't calling out their sin. He was calling out their show. He said to them, Woe to you that curse on the golf course. 
He said, woe to you. Somebody will need to tell Glenn that one. (laughs) He said to you, woe to you that really watch bad shows on Netflix every day of your life. He said, woe to you who are hypocrites. Woe to you that do wrong things and act like you don't. In Matthew 23, in verse 33, Jesus called the hypocrite this, you snakes, you brood of vipers. How will you escape being condemned to hell? If you've ever been frustrated by those who claim one thing and live something else, Jesus was frustrated by it too. It kind of raises the question, why do so many Christians get it wrong? If we really hope to represent Jesus in the church, why is it sometimes we do a good job and other times we fail miserably? So today I want to look at three different reasons why so-called Christians get it wrong. Then we'll look at some teaching just to find healing. So here's the very first one. Some Christians who claim Christ aren't really Christians. There are some people that go to church and may call themselves a Christ follower, but they're not been born of God. They've never been transformed by Jesus. They may be a church member, they may carry their Bible, they may claim one thing, but they've never been transformed by the power of Jesus. Jesus referenced this throughout his teaching, but then in Titus, Titus said this in Titus 1.16, they claim to know God, but their actions actually deny him. They're detestable, they're disobedient, they're unfit for doing anything good. In other words, we need to understand that going to church doesn't make us a Christian. Following Jesus does. Claiming God or going to a great Bible study doesn't make us a Christian. Following Jesus does. Even believing that there is a God doesn't make us a Christian. But following Jesus does. Why is it that so-called, sometimes that so-called Christians let us down? Betray us? Do things that are really horrible and disheartening? It's because some of them have never accepted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. They claim to know God, but they don't want to follow Him. The, the second area, some Christians, some Christians simply are not mature. They're Christians, but we're still young in our spiritual development. We could say they're baby Christians. Here's what the author of Hebrews said in Hebrews 5, 13 and 14. Anyone who lives on milk, anyone who lives on milk is still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish between good and evil. In other words... They're a baby Christian, and they don't know what's right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who have been through training, discipleship, have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Why is it that some Christians do say, do or say the wrong thing, or act in the wrong way, or betray our trust, or morally do something that's confusing? It's because they're still developing in their faith. They're immature, they're still growing. There are some who are brand new followers of Jesus. They don't know any better. They're still maturing. They didn't know what was right, what was wrong. This is not an excuse. 
But there's an understanding and explanation that all of us are at a different point in our discipleship journey. Why is it that sometimes we find ourselves disappointed and let down or tragically hurt by other Christians? Well, some of them aren't Christians and some of them are still maturing in their walk with Jesus. Here's the the third one. This is where we all fall into. Some of us are still maturing and we still mess up. We're still tempted by a sly and slippery spiritual enemy that can still wage attack against the the mature and faithful followers of Jesus. When people mess up like me, this doesn't mean necessarily they're a hypocrite. We may love Jesus and in a moment of peer pressure tell a lie. We may genuinely love Jesus and speak harshly when our flesh rises up. We may love Jesus and be in a bad spot in our marriage and give in to temptation and betray our marital vows. It's a heartbreaker and there's no excuse. But the explanation is that sometimes even the most faithful give in to temptation, are deceived and step off the path and end up hurting others. Let me tell you this. Here's not great encouragement this morning. No matter how mature you are, you are still vulnerable. The moment you think you're not, you're even more vulnerable. Be careful when you think you're not vulnerable to temptation because pride often comes before a fall. Here's the problem though. We all are going to let each other down. The problem is whenever we fall short, you know what we do? And this is going to come on the screen because this is important for us to understand. The problem is whenever I screw up, whenever I fall short, you know what I do? I blame my circumstances. If I do something that's not acceptable, I'm like, you know me, you know me, I didn't mean it. It wasn't that big of a deal. I was tired. I was under pressure. I mean, you know my heart, right? I'm not that kind of person. It was a bad day. It was a bad week. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, you've done things too, right? If I fall short, I always blame my circumstances. However, the challenge is, when one of you falls short, I tend to blame your character. You're the bad one. You're the wrong one. You're the hypocrite. When we blame our circumstances in someone else's character, isn't that hypocrisy in our own lives? All right, you think I'm stepping on toes. Just get ready. (laughs) Hide your toes under your chairs. Why is it that when we sin, God doesn't just fall off the throne? I can't believe they did that. God is not shocked. Because God knows we're prone to sin, that we're born with a sinful nature. He knows that when we do mess up, it's because we're sinners in need of redemption. In fact, Scripture tells us this, and the author David in Psalms wrote this in Psalm 103. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. For He knows how we were formed. He remembers that we are dust. 
What does God know? He knows how weak we are. He knows we give in to peer pressure. He, he knows we give in to temptation. He knows we're vulnerable. He knows we want to be liked. He knows we want to ta- we tend to take the easy way out. He knows how weak we are. Then he says this at the end of that verse, verse 14. God remembers we're only dust. Okay, take a breather. Look at the person beside you and say, you're just dust. Okay, so just say that. You're just dust. Okay, I'm glad you're participating. Good job. In fact, if we went into the New American Standard Version, stay with me on this one. If we went into the New American Standard Version, it translated it this way. It says we are but dust. Okay, it totally changes the meaning. So look at the other person sitting beside you and tell them that they are but dust. Okay. I'm not sure that's what the translation meant, but it does say but dust. It means sometimes you and I are weak. Sometimes we say the wrong things. And unfortunately, sometimes we hurt people. So friends, when you find yourself hurt by Christians, maybe your expectations were too high. Maybe you were just expecting something out of someone that's never going to be always acting like Jesus. And so I just want to tell you right now, when I do something that lets you down, I came from dust. And friends, you came from dust. And we're all going to go back to dust. We were born with a sinful nature. Redeemed by Jesus, but still capable of sin. There's a really powerful story in Acts 13 about Paul and Barnabas. In verse 49, it says this, The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. Pretty cool in verse 49. Then in verse 50, But the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and leading men of the city. What did these people do? They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from the region. So God's moving. Good things are happening. The word of the Lord is spreading. But what happened to the Jewish leader who incited inside? I want you to notice what they incited. They incited the God-fearing women of high standing. Let's translate that to, these were the prayer warrior ladies. They were the faithful women of God. These leaders, inside of the God-fearing women of high standing and leading men of the city, these were the ones everyone respected. What did they do? Those great women stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. Good, charged people got led astray and hurt what God was doing. Do you know what Paul and Barnabas did? They just quit the church. They left Christianity. They called everyone a bunch of hypocrites. You know what? They didn't. They could have. And they would have if they focused on the offense. But in their mind, and I can't tell you for sure what they said to themselves, but every time 
I've been hurt by someone who claimed to, to live with Christ. I tell myself that the church didn't let me down because a person let me down. The church didn't betray me because a couple of people betrayed me. I tell myself God didn't let me down. A big bag of dirt let me down. So the logic goes like this, and I understand it. They hurt me, Matt. I can't trust the church. So I'm not going to go to church anymore. We do that with church. We do, but we don't do that with restaurants. I had bad service, so I'm never, ever going to eat again. Ever, ever, ever. It took 15 minutes to get my burger and fries, and they weren't very good, so I'm never, ever going to eat again. We go back because we need to eat. When people let us down, we go back because there's spiritual food in the house. We worship God in the house. Paul and Barnabas did this. They decided we're not going to let the sins of people keep us from the goodness of God. We're not going to do what they did to us. God, draw us away from the grace, the love, the power. Who let us down? Some dust. Look at verse 51 and 52 in that same passage in Acts 13. So Paul and Barnabas shook what off? The dust. Off their feet as a warning to them and went onward. Look at verse 52. And the disciples, Paul and Barnabas, were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Friends, I don't know who this is for this morning. But somebody, you've been hurt, and at some point, I don't want to minimize your hurt because I know there's deep hurt. But at some point, you've got to shake it off. At some point, you've got to shake it off. And when you shake it off, and when you let go, and when you start healing, guess what that verse tells us? You get full joy and full of the Holy Spirit. I don't know anybody full of joy who still carries a grudge. Even if they're not sorry, sometimes you've got to shake it off. Sometimes you've got to shake it off, and I'm not telling you this morning it's easy. I've got to shake things off a couple times a week, about once a month, I've got to shake off something really big. It's whenever you go, anywhere you go, everywhere you go, anywhere you go, people are people, and people let you down. So the biggest complaint about the church from some people is, They're full of a bunch of narrow-minded, judgmental hypocrites. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart this morning, if you've been hurt in this church, if you've been hurt by a Christian, if you've been, if you have disdain for hypocrisy inside the church, I apologize. Because we haven't always got it right. We in the church sometimes say one thing and then do something different. As much as I don't want to admit it, it is dead untrue some christians some church leaders have abused their power and hurt people some christians can be arrogant can be harsh can be unkind can be unloving and it's not right there's nothing right about that it's not god honoring it's not what jesus wants and i'm sorry sincerely i'm sorry when we don't get it right i'm sorry when i don't get it right The reality is all of us in this room have been hurt by hypocrites. If you're honest enough, you'll have to recognize that you've been a hypocrite too. None of us are perfect. 
The only thing I can promise you is as much as I don't want to at some point, I'm going to let you down. I'll say something you disagree with. Could have been this morning. The butt dust. I'll lose my temper. I'll slip into a moment of pride. I'll be critical of somebody. I'll be more focused on being right than loving. And when I'm that way, I will repent before God and I will apologize. So I just want to say this, and I don't want this to be, I don't want this to come across unkind. But I want to say it. If you've lost your faith in Jesus because of people, maybe your faith is in people when it should be in Jesus. If you're doubting God because of what someone else did, I just say, look at Jesus because he'll never let you down. Look at how Jesus lived. Look at how he loved. Look at how he confronted hypocrisy. Look at what he would confront in us. How he lovingly corrects us and convicts us and changes us. Look at what Jesus did in the Gospels. If anyone in power could have abused their power, Jesus would correct them. He would defend the oppressed, the widows, and the poor. When church people might snub their nose at those who are different, people who are nothing like Jesus, they like Jesus. They liked him because he loved the sinners and the broken and the prostitutes and the outcast. He loved them where they were, but he didn't leave them where they were. When someone was caught in sin and everyone else wanted to stone him or kill her, he just looked down and said, hey, where are your accusers? The woman looked back at Jesus and said, they're all gone. And he said, I don't condemn you either. Go. Don't do it anymore. Go your way and sin no more. That's the love of a Savior. You and I need a Savior like that. When people accuse Christians of being narrow and judgmental, just remember wherever Jesus went, he showed compassion for the least and for the last and for the lost. If you've been ever hurt by hypocrisy, Jesus has a zero tolerance for hypocrisy. He has unlimited grace for a sinner in need of forgiveness. He continues to love. He continues to heal. He continues to offer hope. That's how good Jesus is. And so, when we get it wrong, and we will, I'm sorry, please forgive me, I'm just a bag of dirt. We're not perfect. We're striving to be perfected by the one who lives inside of us. We're not going to make excuses as a church. We're not going to be continued, we're going to continue to be conformed to reflect the goodness of Jesus. Keep remembering Jesus has a zero tolerance for hypocrisy. But he's got unlimited grace for a sinner in need of repentance. And I can't speak for you, but I want to offer the same grace to others that was given to me. If you let me down or I let you down, what do we do? We do what spirit-filled believers do. We repent. We apologize. We show back up here. And the world looks on and doesn't say, they're a bunch of hypocrites. The world says, wow, they're different. They will know that we are disciples, not by our theology, not by our building, not by our worship style, not by my sermons. They'll know that we are disciples of Jesus by how we love each other. One of the most powerful ways that you can love is to forgive. 
So if you're carrying a hurt today, I understand. If our church has let you down, I sincerely apologize. As hard as we try, we don't always get it right. And in the same way that I've been forgiven, I want to forgive others. And my prayer for you is that you'd find healing. And that for some of us, we would shake the dirt off our feet and find joy as the Holy Spirit leads us. Let's pray. God, if I said anything that wasn't of you, take it from my friends' minds. If you used me in a small way to encourage my friends, make it about the Holy Spirit that prompts, guides, and leads. For some of my friends, they've been hurt deeply by the church. May they understand that we are sorry. For some of my friends, they've been hurt by people in the church. May we have the braveness and the courage to ask for forgiveness. May we be people that extend grace, the grace that you freely give to us. We love and adore you. We ask all this in your name. Amen.